Here are the kinds of things you hear. You hear lines like, well, you know, the Bible, it's been translated thousands of times. Its message evolved for generations. It's been corrupted through the centuries. Uh, some say now, a very popular myth on college campuses, perhaps you've heard it at work. It's been constructed by politicians that have agendas, uh, books they say were excluded. There was a lot of different versions of Christ and the Gospels out there, and they were just cherry-picked to be able to present some kind of planned and desirable message to the masses. Uh, it was written centuries after uh, the events based on oral tradition. Uh, it was shaped uh, and edited by religious leaders. Uh, they say things like, it's just a collection of made-up stories uh, it's a book of superstition and myth. That's just how we need to approach it. It's only meant to be a set of parables to live by. It's not meant to be taken as fact or history. Uh, it's just people musing about the unknown. We're just guessing about God. Uh, it should not be taken seriously. These are the kinds of things that we hear. And yet the Bible, on the other hand, presents itself much differently. If you read it, as you would read a newspaper, as you would read a note on a kitchen table, you're going to come away with a completely different sense of what the Bible is presenting itself to be. It is clearly presenting itself to be taken as factual and historical. That's how it's presented to us. As we've tried to echo the words coined by Francis Schaeffer, it is true truth, as though it needed an adjective to try and tell us that what we mean is something that actually corresponds with reality. Things that are spoken of on this side, on the, in the natural world, they're presented to us as though they actually happen. And the things that, that go beyond that, that, that represent God, the thing God we can't see, that uh, dwells in an approachable light, it claims to be revelation, and it claims to be factual and accurate and corresponding to reality. Take, for instance, the way, and this is just very selective. There's a million passages we could go to. That's uh, hyperbole, of course. But there's dozens and dozens of passages we could look at that would say this kind of thing. This is the very first uh, section here, first two verses of First John. Uh, it starts very poetically and majestically. That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we looked upon, and we've touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life that was made manifest. We've seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and he's made it manifest to us. God has revealed, we've presented it, We've heard it, we've seen it, we've looked at it, we've touched it, we felt it, and now we're presenting it to you. You cannot read that and think that this is meant to be presented as some kind of uh, parable to live by or some, you know, mythical superstition or our best thoughts about God. These are meant to be truthful. As Peter says, we did not follow cleverly devised myths. He dismisses it. He separates himself from the myths of the day, the Greco-Roman pantheon of gods. This is not what we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about something we made known to you that relates to the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty, not following cleverly devised myths, but we're letting you know things that we saw. For when he received honor and glory, now he's speaking to one particular situation there, the Mount of Transfiguration, from God the Father, the voice that was born to him by majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice, voice born from heaven. It rattled the bones in our inner ear, our eardrum vibrated, we heard these things. For we were with him, we saw him, we were there on that holy mountain. Just speaking of one incident, and Peter's trying to say very clearly, just like John was saying, we saw things, we heard things, we saw them in real time, and we're presenting them to you as truth. 
Bible claims to not only be factual and historical, it claims to be God's factual message to us, that he, in another reality, another domain, is breaking through into space and time to give us a message. Back to Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. He says, you will do well to pay attention, as, speaking of the Bible here, the writings of the scriptures, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture... Prophecy is the idea of a mouthpiece, that God has spoken from where he is to where we are. No prophecy of scripture, scripture, by the way, is the word for writing. It's come to be known like the word Bible, which means book, the specific book that we read that's filled with biblical prophecies, which is not just foretelling the future, it's just stating the reality of what's going on and what God wants us to know, that none of that came from one's own interpretation. He didn't muse and think about the other side and what God was like and say, well, here's what I think. That's not what prophecy claims. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. I wanna say this. I think that people ought to believe this because I believe it and I thought about it and this was my interpretation of God. Rather, the claim of scripture is that men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, the God of the universe, has sent his spirit to move the prophets to speak these things and then to write them down. This is the claim of scripture. Perhaps the one you're most familiar with, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. Paul speaks to Timothy, a pastor in Ephesus, and he says, think back to your childhood. From childhood, you were acquainted with the sacred writings. Another phrase to represent the scriptures, the prophetic word, things written in the Bible. They're able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God, which is a great translation of the word theopneustos. Theopneustos is that compound word that is translated in uh, the King James Bible, unfortunately, it's translated inspiration, which no longer means inspiration the way it meant it when it was translated in Tyndale and in the King James Version in the 16th and 17th century because inspiration back then came from the Latin word inspiro, which meant to breathe out. And when you say inspiration today, you think about being inspired or moved or having some emotive thing happen in your heart where you think, I'm gonna, just gonna go do this. That's not what the Bible says about itself. It doesn't say that the authors were inspired, felt moved to write something, it says that the actual documents themselves, the scripture, the sacred writings, have been breathed out by God. And the picture is, like you would sit there on a cold day and say something and someone would hear it, it's as though it's the voice of God in writing. God is speaking and communicating to human beings and it's as though he breathed these words out, just like you could feel it on a normal temperature day and you can see it. If the temperature's right, the moisture's right, you can see your breath, that's the picture. All scripture is breathed out by God and therefore human beings need to take profit from it. It's God instructing us, reproving us, correcting us and training us in righteousness so that the man of God can be equipped for, can be complete rather and equipped for every good work. This is what God wants us to know and God wants us to do. And this scripture is going to present itself as factual and historical and more importantly, God's factual information to human beings. That's the claim of the Bible. So when the critic comes and says, well, it's not meant to be taken seriously, here's a couple of passages. I hope you wrote the references down. You can say, well, wait a minute. Let's pull up on our phone the Bible and let me read to you. Or better, better I, I would turn your phone to them and say, why don't you read what it says? And then you ask them, what do you think that means? 
How do you, do you think that means that they actually think this was true, true truth, that this was real, that this was meant to be factual and historical? And passages like this, that this is God speaking through these writings. God is speaking these writings, not through them. He's speaking the writings. That's the picture here. 